0: Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Thank you all for praying with me. I'm grateful for you guys. I really am. You know, I, I, would, I would preach to myself. I would. But it's great when I get to preach to you. Amen. Um, I, I want to do, as I, as I said earlier, I'll just reiterate one more time. Today is Pastor Appreciation Sunday, and so I wanted to speak briefly a moment on the gift of the pastor, and then I'm going to circle back to where we are and where we have been on prayer. How many of y'all have been praying? How many of y'all have been praying more? You've been increasing, you know, this has been good, has been good for me. My prayer life has increased, I feel like our church's prayer life has increased, and uh, my pastor is a wise man, and so when he said we're going to do the month of prayer, I was already thinking, Lord, and asking God, how can we increase our prayer life? Cause it, we're not able to do prayer meetings at the moment, and so I was really praying about that. And then here we go with month of prayer. Amen. Praise God. We're going to just do it for the whole month, and then keep it there. Keep it there. You know, how many of y'all know when you when you when you when you step up, we don't want to go backwards. So we're going to elevate our prayer life, and then we're going to keep it there. But let's talk first, and and, and I just want to just teach on this. So I'm not going to be real preacherly for a minute. I want to just teach in Ephesians chapter four, verse eight. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And if you'll put that verse up there, I want to look through all this. Ephesians is actually in the offering section, Gage. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Y'all see that? He gave gifts to men. Well, what kind of gifts? If you skip down, he explains a little bit there about that quote, and then he goes on to verse 11 to explain what the gifts are. So we're gonna look at verse 11. And he himself, look at that, that's a capital H in both places. He himself, he gave. See, Jesus gave us what we call the five-fold ministry gifts. The five-fold ministry gifts. Now that's a man-made term that we use, but we're talking about, when you hear that, we're talking about these gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, Pastors and teachers. You see that? Pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, and evangelists. These are gifts that Jesus gave. Everybody say, Jesus gave me a gift. Now, how many of y'all have received a gift ever in your life? Raise your hand. Somebody's received something, right? I mean, how many of y'all received, like at Christmas? Can you imagine going under the Christmas tree and getting your gifts And saying thank you to whoever gave them to you, if it's your mom or dad or whatever, and say thank you so much. And then put them back under the tree and never open them. Never use them. I mean, they're just pretty in their wrapping box the way they are. I'm going to leave them just right there, and uh, maybe they'll be there next Christmas. But that's what we do. I mean, that's literally, and I'm not saying you guys, I know you're here today. That's why I want to teach, because I, I need, as our church comes along, I want to teach on on the importance of the gift, not just of the pastor, but all of the gifts. Because, well, let me explain. Let let Jesus explain. He tells us why he gave the gifts. Why Jesus gave the gifts. Next verse. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's why he gave these gifts. So we have five ministry gifts that were given to the church to help equip us. How many of y'all, just be honest with you, how many of y'all have ever felt not equipped to be a Christian? Not equipped to go get people saved. Not equipped. I remember the first time. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm, I didn't even know I was called to be a pastor, but I remember the first time I got to preach. I was, a, I was a youth. And I'm one of those guys, I don't like to put on, you know, I don't like to seem like I'm, I like to, I'll, I'll be real honest. Can I be transparent with y'all? I like to act like I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna be real with you. I like to act like I know what I'm doing. And so I acted like I knew what I was doing. Yeah, sometimes you gotta fake it till you make it. She said, you gotta fake it till you make it. But listen, I've learned over over time just to be real and be who I am. But back when I was a teenager, I mean, I was the cool kid in the youth group. And so if I'm gonna preach, man, I need I need to do this thing right. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing. I barely knew how to pray. I barely knew how to do... Now, I mean, obviously, they were doing a special day where they were letting the youth do the service, and that's why they did it, and I got to preach. But my point is, it was a really self-revelation moment where I realized, I don't know, and I need help, if I'm going to do... And again, I didn't know I was going to be a pastor one day, but I knew I wanted to do something for God. How many of y'all want to do something for God? The work of the ministry requires equipping. It requires prepping. It requires pruning. It requires correction. It requires, it requires someone. Because let's be real honest. I have a pastor, okay? And although I, I I'm a pretty good self-revelation guy, I like to evaluate myself. I like to, I'm pretty critical of myself. But there's some things that my pastor sees in me and says to me and corrects me on that I didn't see. And that I'll be honest with you. I didn't always want to hear. And I didn't always want to, to know. Yep. But, but, and not just criticism, but, just, but, but things that equip us. See, that's what a good pastor does. That's what a good, a good any of these five, a good uh, prophet evangelist, that's what they do. That's why I get, I'll just be real honest with you, I get a little weary of somebody who self-proclaims himself as a prophet and then goes around tearing people down with their prophecies. That's not, that's not biblical. Uh, that's not my point today. Let me stay on the pastor. Let me stay on the pastor. For equipping of the saints. For the work of the ministry. See, that's what we're called to do. Every single one of us. You may be a teacher. You may be, um, uh, you, may be you may work at a factory. You may be a stay-at-home mom. You may be doing a, a number of different things. Maybe you got multiple jobs. Wherever you are, you're doing, you should be doing ministry work. Whatever you are, whatever you're doing, whether you own a business, whether you, whether you never own a business, whether you have employees or whether you are an employee, you should be doing the work of the ministry. Everywhere you go, you should be looking for opportunities. Well, how do you do that? You've got to know how to do it. And that's why a pastor in particular is so important. And I'm going to come back to where the pastor fits in all this, but let me finish. I'm going to finish this verse out, and then we'll look further. He says, for the equipment of the saints, for the work of the ministry... To also edify the body of Christ, to, so to build you up. How many of y'all ever need a building up? Now, sometimes, sometimes there is correction involved, but it should always be in an edifying manner. Always. Till we all come, check out this next verse, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So now we know how long, we know why the fivefold ministry. Were, gifts were given to us, and for how long? How long are we to have them? Until we're unified. Until we, until we come to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. How many of y'all are perfect? I'm not perfect. Are you raising your hand? Come on, man. I know you're just kidding. I know you're just kidding. But no, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? That sounds real Christian-y. What that means is, is that Christ is our, our example, all right, and that we're measured up to, And so, if we're measured up to Christ, until we become, He was perfect on earth. He was the only one, and will ever be the only one. So we will never be perfect on this earth, on this earth, in this life. Not until we've we've got a new body and and God's, uh, and we're in heaven, and and Jesus has made a new body. Not until that day comes. But until then, we need the gifts. I need the gifts. You need the gifts. This is biblical. This is important. And this is why we're taking a moment today to appreciate the gift of the pastor. I don't need, personally, I don't need any appreciation. I'm a very self-confident guy. I'm good to go. I I've told you I'd preach to myself. I'm good to go. I know I'm, I know I'm called. I know God's it, it asked me to come here. And I, I don't need a pat on the back. I've gotten over that. I don't need thousands of people to be happy with myself. I don't need any of that. I just need to do what God called me to do. But I believe it's important that we honor the gift. That we honor the gift. And so that's what we do. Today over in Florence, they're honoring my pastor, Pastor Steve. I worked hard to produce some things for that service that, I I, I mean, I I, I guess I I still oversee the media over there. So yes, I I guess I had to do it. But I didn't really have to do it as much as I did. I didn't have to do it to the level that I did it. I wanted it to be right. If we're going to show a video over there that's going to honor my pastor, it's going to be right. The audio is going to be right. The visuals are going to be right. It's going to look good. It's going to sound good. It's going to be the best video that I can produce. I stayed late. I worked hard. I worked extra on it. You know what? We're going to do, they're going to do all kinds of stuff over there to honor my pastor today. And, and that's because that's 20 years of ministry. Twenty year, I mean, I'm here today because he saw something in me. Now, I, I, yes, I knew that I was called. And yes, I had to answer it. And that required a part of me. But I wouldn't be here without him. I just, I wouldn't, because he drew out in me and equipped me and helped put into me things that I needed for the work of the ministry. And I'm one of thousands he's done that to. That's a pastor. And that's the importance of a gift of a pastor. You know, there's been times where I sat in his office as a boss, because he was my boss too. How many of y'all have bosses? Come on. All right. Now, I love my pastor. We actually get along really well. We see eye-to-eye on a lot of things, especially technology. So it's real easy to get along with Pastor Steve. But every once in a while, we would butt heads on something. Like, he really doesn't like red. He doesn't like red. And so, like, I would design something, and it would have some red in it. And I would bring him my designs, because that's what I do. And I would bring him my graphic designs, and he would be like, "Ah, oh, I hate it. I'd be like, come on, it looks great. No, it's just it's too much red. And I'm like, "Ah." Oh. So now I just don't even design red. But, you know, there's little quirks and there's little things like that, right? That's the man side of things. But then there's been the same, same office, same chair I'm sitting in, same chair he's sitting in, where I needed something and was asking God for something, and he spoke across that desk, and it wasn't, it wasn't Steve, it was Pastor Steve. It was the gift of a pastor giving me something that I needed, telling me something that I needed, giving me instruction, giving me, and maybe it's just encouragement. Maybe when I'm down, and he lifts me up. Maybe it's whatever it may be, that is the gift of a pastor. That's the gift of a pastor, and that's why we honor the gift. If we go on here, he continues to explain all this. He says that we should no longer be children. This is so important. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of every doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. He's saying here, Actually, stay stay on that verse. We're not to be tossed to and fro like children. We need to be rooted in our doctrine. I met a lady this week. And um, she's a Muslim. And as we started talking and we started getting to know each other, and I could tell she had on the headgear. And so I I, I knew that she was, uh, you know, Islamic or something like that. And so she said, yeah, I'm a Muslim. And we began talking. She said, well, I grew up Christian. And I just point blank asked her. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not trying to be nosy, but, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian pastor. And so I just, I need, I'd like to know, how did you go from being a Christian to a Muslim? It was so interesting. You know what she said? She said, I went, and I, I, don't, I don't remember if she was in college or some, some in a young adult age, and she met some females. And she met these females, and they were Muslim, and they got to talking. And I don't know their story and how they got there, but they got to talking, and they answered all of her questions, she said. And then she said this, she said, and I felt like that morally it lined up the same. And the values were the same. And it just seemed to make sense to me. I was blown away. I I was blown away. And, and my wife was there and to not say too much, because I don't want to out the person because I'm actually believing she'll show up here one day. But no, I believe she will. We're going to, we're going to, God will radically change her life. That's what I'm here for. And I believe that God put me in her life for a reason, but, but she, she, her and my wife work together. And so I didn't want to, to ruin the working relationship on the first time I met her. And so I was real careful there, but I, I I started to, to deal with her and started to just in my own spirit praying over her because what I realized was she had no foundation in her belief because if she did. As soon as they started talking about the Muslim religion, as soon as they started talking talking about the God they serve, she would have realized, oh, that's a dead God. And my God's living. I mean... I don't care if the morals and the values are the same. God is not the same as some other God and some idol and some person that died in years ago. He may, they may call him a prophet. He may have done some cool things. I don't know how he did it and by what spirit he did that. But I know what spirit my God did. And I know what Jesus did for me. And that's who I serve. And you can't take that away from me. I'm not going to get tossed to and fro by, you know, I don't care what kind of doctrine you throw at me. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, I know what I believe. When I came back from college, there was a, um, um, uh, a particular conversation we had with my pastor. And he was, he was outlining. and I'm not going to get off on it because it's a, it's a political topic. And it was big at the time because there was an election. And we got to talking about it. And at school, I had, been, I had been indoctrinated differently in college. At a public college, public university. And then I got there, and he began to deal with me about this. My pastor did. About, no, about the belief, because I was in the middle. I don't want to tell you what it is because I'm going to get off on it. And I don't want you. I want you to get. I'm, I'm talking about the gift of a pastor. My point is, is I, I, my belief did not line up with the word. Let me say that. And so what? What happened is, is I said, "Listen, I said I, I need to know what the word says." And he began to deal with me and show me the word and what the word says. About the topic. And when he did, it opened my eyes and my belief lined up with the word. My point is is that we need a pastor to keep us in the doctrine that we're supposed to have. Alright, here we go. And to all things to him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined in it together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. What is this saying? That we are like a puzzle. And you can be a puzzle piece just dumped on a table, or you can be a puzzle piece that's fitly joined together. See what that says? Every joint supplies that we're all one body, joined and knit together. Joined and knit together, and every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. You are called to be a part of a church. You are called to have a pastor. What is a pastor? Let's look at Acts 20, 28, and I'm gonna wrap up with this. Acts 20:28 20, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. That word overseers means or translates to a pastor or an elder. At the time they would put elders in churches and the elders would in some cases eventually become the pastor. And the reason was is because they were starting churches faster than God was building up pastors. And because people were just getting saved left and right. And the, the call takes time to develop. Long, long story short, is this word overseers is talking about pastors. It's talking about shepherds. You see, it says to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased by, with his own blood. Pastors, if you look at the word pastor, it translates to shepherd. Or it could be translated, another word to translate it would be like a shepherd. So Jesus is the ultimate shepherd over the whole global church. But he put pastors in place as under shepherds. So it all points to Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. And that's how you know if a five-fold ministry gift is operating in accordance with the word because it will point to Jesus. And so you see a pastor shepherds the local flock. And so just like a shepherd would, would, um, would take care of his flock, would feed them, would make sure they need what they, they, what they need, they have what they need, excuse me, that's what a good pastor does. And so I wanted to just take a minute to just talk about why the importance of a pastor, why we need them in our life, and how and why we should honor them. Is that fair? Is that cool? I I hope that that helped you. Now, this has been the month of prayer. Everybody say month of prayer. Okay, so I only have a few minutes left because I know I told you that we, we fit a lot in today. But I think that it's important that I give you some word along these lines on prayer. And because this is what we've, what we've been focusing on and what's, um, you know, what, what our church is doing right now is praying. So I want to look at this. Ephesians 6.18, turn there with me real quick. Ephesians 6.18. It says, praying always with all prayer. Everybody say all prayer. all prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to to this end with all perseverance. How many of y'all know you got to persevere with prayer? And having supplication for all the saints. Now, on Thursday, I had some great teaching on supplication. I wish I had time to get into it today, but if you can make it on Thursdays, I encourage you to try to make it. Supplication is an earnest, heartfelt request. It goes beyond just prayer, okay? And so he says here, praying with all prayer. Everybody see that? Say that with me. Say all prayer. There are multiple types of prayer. There's the prayer of faith in James 5.15. There's the prayer of agreement in Matthew 18.19. The prayer of supplication, multiple verses. Prayer of praise and worship, multiple verses. Prayer of commitment, prayer of consecration or service. Intercessory prayer and praying in the spirit. Just to name, listen, these are just types of prayer. How many of y'all have ever played sports? Many of us have played sports. How many of y'all have played, let's just pick a sport. How many many of y'all have ever played baseball or seen baseball? Okay. How many of y'all have ever played football or seen football? Everybody loves football right here. Okay. Now, what if, check this out. What if we went out on a football field and there's a football team out there with pads and I go out there with my baseball cap and my baseball bat and I'm ready to play baseball on the football field. And they throw the football and I start trying to swing at it. Start trying to hit a home run. That would be ridiculous, right? Y'all would all be like, get this crazy guy off the field. I mean, it would be ridiculous. We, I mean, we, we, we don't do that. We don't play football rules with baseball. Can you imagine if you're running down the first baseline? You're running, you just hit the ball, and then boom, somebody just sidelines you and tackles you? Can you imagine? It'd be ridiculous, right? You don't tackle in baseball. You're laughing because you know, I mean, that'd be, can't you just visualize that? Like the catcher's running and just boom and just pile drive somebody. No pads or anything, just tackles them. That'd be crazy. You know, with prayer, this is the main point I want you to understand today. With prayer, there are rules for prayer. There are rules for prayer. And you have to play the right rules and use the right rules for the right type of prayer. You have to use the right rules for the right type of prayer. You have to use... The, the what's in God's word, he explained to us how we should pray and why we should pray and in what types of situations we should pray different ways. For instance, in the book of James, we see the prayer of faith. Everybody say the prayer of faith. Say it with me now. Say prayer of faith. In James 5, 13 through 15, it says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing. Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick. Say it again with me. Say, the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. I want to tell you this morning that breakthrough happens with prayer. Breakthrough happens when we pray. And if you need a breakthrough, the prayer of faith is what you need to be praying. You know, not just some mamby-pamby prayer. The prayer of faith. a, A real heartfelt, earnest prayer by faith. Let me show you this. Matthew 21, starting in verse 21. Jesus answered to them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt... Say that out loud with me. Say, have faith, do not doubt. If you have faith and you do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and it will be done. Now check this out. Got to get this. Verse 22. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Whatever, whatever. Whatever things, whatever, whatever things you desire, whatever things you ask, if you believe, if you pray in faith, you will receive them. It doesn't say a few things. It doesn't say some things. Whatever things you desire, whatever things you ask in prayer, how can God say that? How can he give us? Because if you're a true believer, you're going to ask according to his word. You're asking and your desiring will line up with His Word. If it lines up with His Word and you pray according to His Word, guaranteed, if you pray in faith, there will be results. If you don't see results, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. We have to pray in faith. Now listen, the prayer of faith, I want to give you some principles to this. The prayer of faith applies to your own life. It applies to your own life. How many of y'all know that your neighbor, your co-worker, your sister, your auntie, they have their own will and they have their own faith. Okay? Now, when, a, when, you, when someone just gets saved, you can use the prayer of faith. They can kind of rely on your faith because they don't have any yet. If that makes sense. But once someone has faith and they know they've heard the word of God taught, they've got to use their own faith. So you can't just, you can't just, I, you can't pray for other people. But remember, there's multiple types of prayer, okay? So don't, don't twist up what I'm saying and say, oh, the pastor told me not to pray for other people. And that's not what I said. There's different types of prayer. See, there's intercessory prayer where you stand in the gap for someone else, all right? But when you're exercising the prayer of faith, right, that you're praying over. Now, as a pastor, as, an, as what the Bible referred to here as an elder, I can exercise the prayer of faith with you or over you. If you allow me to. Okay? That makes sense? But that's your faith hooking up with my faith. It's still the prayer of faith. You can also, without me, at home on a Tuesday afternoon, put your hands on your body and pray the prayer of faith. See, it applies to your life and your situation. I think it also applies to our kids. If, you have, if you're a family and you have kids, you know, they, they, they may not have faith yet either. Especially if they're young. So this also pertains to things you desire. He said, whatever things you desire, check out in Mark. This is the same story as told by Mark, Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Same statement, different gospel, different person, same story, same principle, same faith. Whatever things you ask. This is things. You can't be, you can't be afraid to ask for things. You can't be afraid to ask for something you need. I mean, how do you expect God to do it? He's told you that you've got to ask. You have to ask. You must ask. If you need something, you've got to ask. Whatever things you desire, whatever things you need, you've got to ask for them. So what does this apply to? It applies to your own life. It applies to the things you desire. Now, what is the difference here? I want to explain this, and then we're going to wrap up. Because my wife told me she was coming in to do something special for Pastor Appreciation, and I see her coming. So y'all, y'all, y'all help me wrap up here. Look at Luke twenty-two forty-one 41 through 42. Real quick, Luke 22, 41 through 42. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. This is Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. All right, And he said, he said, Jesus was there, and he said, listen, I need to go away from you. He steps away from the disciples about a stone's throw. He knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will. Y'all see that? Put that verse up there, 42. Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I want to clarify here, because this is this. is I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again this week. That is the prayer of consecration and dedication. What Jesus is saying here is, I know what you've called me to do. And so I'm praying if it be your will, because I want to make sure that I'm lined up with your will. In other words, I don't know for sure. I need to make sure that what I'm doing is in your plan and in your will. I know you've called me to save your people. I know you've sent me down here to do that, if it be your will. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Y'all see that? Okay, so I want y'all to understand. The prayer of faith should not contain if. That's two different prayers. Two different rules. It's baseball and football. Y'all got me? If you are, are, are asking God, God, I want to serve you. If it be your will, I, want, I believe I'm called to be a pastor. Lord, if that's your will, let me know. That's the prayer of consecration and dedication. God, I believe I'm being called to this job. I used to be working here. I don't think that I'm supposed to be there anymore. I feel drawn to these people. Lord, is this your will? Let me know if this is your will. That's the prayer of consecration and dedication. Here's the difference. We know it's his will to heal us. We know it's his will to save us. We know it's his will for, him, for us to prosper. We know it's his will for us to be blessed. We, we don't have to pray and ask God if it's his will for that. We know his word. We understand. And so we, that's not an if statement. Does that make sense? So when you pray the prayer of faith and you're believing in faith, you've got to know God's word and you've got to stand on it and you've got to let his word come out of your mouth over the situation. I want y'all to say that when we say, God's word has to come out of my mouth by prayer over the situation. Praying and believing that it's done, that's what gets result. Whatever things you desire, whatever things you ask, believe you have received them and you will have them. Stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet. Thank you guys for that today. Y'all just give God some praise, will you? Just give God some praise. Lord, I thank you.